Today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Well, the 2024 election season's in full swing. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. The triumvirate is back in effect on this Tuesday. Trey Gones Phillips, Billy Hallowell. Gentlemen, how are you? Living the dream. Excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Let's go. All right. Hopefully everybody's doing well in your neck of the woods. We're going to get into a bunch today. I mean, we've got 2024. It's here. It's starting on Monday. And the, the voting will happen. And so we are going to uh, get into the numbers a little bit about where things stand. All of that and more. Also, coming up, we've got on the Focus Story, Josh Newell, the executive director of the Jesus Film Project, recently announced a new film about Christ's life. We'll get into the details there. On the main thing, U.S. State Department has again decided not to add Nigeria to its countries of particular concern list. This is insane. Billy's got... An interview on that coming up. And a new podcast alert, the Newsmakers podcast. I've mentioned it a couple times now. If you haven't subscribed to it, go ahead and do it. Billy, you're getting interviews up there every day. These are the full-length interviews. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, they're the full-length interviews. And I'm going to give a little tease for the episode, the, the latest episode of the show that people are going to want to check out. Sure. And it's with comedian Rob Schneider, oh, that's which I'm a great really excited one. about. That's a great. He's been speaking out on a lot, making a lot of sense. So looking forward to that one. That's an awesome episode. So make sure you're subscribed to that. And right now we're going to go through the news here in 90 seconds. Iowa voters are kicking off the 2024 election year with their first in the nation Iowa caucus next week, starting on Monday. The contest is largely looked at as a momentum builder. And the GOP, you've seen it all the time. And when this time of year comes around in election year, all the candidates are heading to Iowa. They're going to the fairs and, and everything else. When former President Trump right now has continued his dominant lead in the polling, he's still not taking any chances, though. He hasn't done the debates, but he is um, campaigning in Iowa and he's encouraging his supporters to go ahead and vote during a series of rallies over the weekend. He said, if you want to save America from crooked Joe Biden, get every patriot you know and make sure they're registered to vote and get them out to vote 7 p.m. on January 15th. Some polls have shown Trump up by 30 points uh, in Iowa. And if you want to look at the polls, we'll get into this in a minute after we wrap this up. I'm going to go into the next story, but uh, we have a great spot for you to check out some, some polling numbers. But Millions of Americans are digging out from the first major snowstorm of the season as a second storm is barreling down on the U.S. The Northeast was slammed over the weekend with a lot of snow, a lot of wind, and there was just a massive mess on the major highways. And this may be only a warm-up, though. We got another storm expected to hit a lot of the country this week, including heavy snow in the north and heavy rains, possible flooding in the south. Those are just some of today's top headlines. Check out more over at cbnnews.com. And uh, before we get into these polling numbers, guys, uh, the weather, we got rain. Trey, I know you're a little farther south than we are, but but what happened? Bill, you're up in New York. Did you get the snow? Oh, uh, we got the snow. We did. Yeah, we got a few inches of it. The kids went sledding. It was uh, it was a lot of snow. Was it? A, did it cause a big debacle or was it not too bad to get around? 
It wasn't too bad. I mean, it was a little dangerous because it rained a little with the snow. So you yeah. had that heavy kind of icy snow. But, but you know, it was good by Monday morning. You could drive on it. Good, good. All right. Well, um, let's. I want to talk about the polls. And I know you guys are familiar with this site, uh, Billy and Trey. But I, I love, if you want to look at and get a good sense of what's going on, go to realclearpolitics.com. I'll put the link in the description uh, of this podcast episode. But what they do is they show the average of a lot of the major polls. So it's not just one poll that might be an outlier and you're looking at that and you're not sure if that's indicative of what else is going on. And I went back and looked at the past presidential elections going all the way back to like 2000 and the real clear politics average has been pretty close to the actual final results on almost all the occasions Mm -hmm. within a couple points. And right now, and this is for the GOP primary, Trump's up 51.7% in the average, the average of all the national polls. Haley's at 11, DeSantis at 10.9, so they're pretty close for second place. Iowa's a little closer, but Trump's still with a huge lead. Uh, He's ahead by 32. And then in New Hampshire, it's a little lower at 21, but he's still up by 21 points. And in South Carolina, he's up by 30 points there. And you've looked a little closer, Billy, I think, at the hypothetical head-to-head matchup between Trump. They do that too. Like if Trump won the primary and he goes against Biden. I don't have those in front of me. Do you remember what the latest ones were? Yeah. Well, I mean, the current averages, you know, right now are are really um, interesting. You've got, you know, Trump is up about 2.2 over Biden. um, And, you know, consistently, and I have found this really interesting, um, Nikki Haley performs the best out of all the candidates against Biden in a head to head. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I mean, I'm just look, 2024, it's going to be very interesting to see how the country reacts to this um, and what happens and if these numbers hold up for Trump. But I mean, these are like unprecedented. I mean, these are just crazy, crazy numbers. He's got such a big lead. I think it would just be interesting to see if if the Republicans were to select Nikki Haley and then have Nikki Haley at the top of the ticket as a female, obviously, and a minority nominee for the Republican Party because the Democrats put so much... Uh, value on kind of the identity politics of being the first ones to elect such and such a minority or a a female for this position or, you know, whatever it is. And then uh, ultimately the Republicans end up being the first ones to uh, elect a female potentially uh, as, as president, obviously there's a female vice president right now. Um, Not that that matters. I I really don't think it matters, but I think that's something that our media latches on so heavily to. I also though think that all of a sudden if if Nikki Haley were to be the Republican nominee uh, that would not be a talking point for the media anymore right I'm, I'm certain so. yeah yeah very likely that um, that just sort of goes away one other thing that the betting averages and I don't know what goes into the real clear politics betting averages but they kind of take I think everything into consideration they have yeah. right now Trump is at almost 38 percent for president, Biden is at about 29% the likelihood. Haley is at about 10 and Newsom is at 7.6, a little under eight. So Trump is is substantially ahead by nine points in the betting averages right now. Yeah, the, that's and the, notable. The addicting thing in this, and I know we got to get going here into the focus story, but the addicting thing on this is they've got the little tracker, the history tracker, and it's like a line chart. And so I'm looking at the RCP betting average right now, and it and it's a year ago. In the beginning of 2023 in January, DeSantis was at 50 and Trump was at 27. And you can see those lines crisscross. Mm. And since then, Trump has gone on to a commanding lead, 73 
Nikki Haley now is at second at 14 and DeSantis at 4.8. Something you have to remember, too, is that Trump was elected president a long time ago at this point. Americans have a short memory. Mm-hmm. I think the people who are kind of independents, they're middle of the road. They're not certain about Trump. Obviously, the, the, the core Trump supporters are not going anywhere. They're going to vote for Trump should he be the nominee. Um, but I think the people who were kind of iffy on him the first time, they've forgotten what 2016 was like. Yeah. It's been four years since he was president, even longer since he was elected. So I, 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 it makes sense to me that Trump would be doing as well as he's doing. He's a outsized character. Um, and the economy was great when he was president for all of his other faults. Uh, yeah. The economy was much better than it is post COVID. Right. Yeah. And up until, up until COVID hit, obviously, but yeah, I mean, it's look, people are feeling it now. You, you just cannot get around. Everyone's got to buy groceries. Everyone's got to fill up their car. So 2024 kicking off and we will be on it. CBNnews.com and faithbar.com as well. All right. We got to move on over to the focus story. Now, Josh Newell, as I mentioned, is the executive director of the Jesus film project. He recently announced a new film about Christ's life. So what's the story here? Yeah, this is this is interesting because anybody familiar with Jesus film, you know, there's a whole history. It goes back decades of using this project to evangelize. They have announced a new film that comes out in theaters in December of 2025. It is an animated film and not just any animation. This is like top of the line animation, working with people who have done Hollywood films to tell the story in you know a different way in terms of the animation. It's going to be the same gospel story, um, but completely um, invented in sort of a way that's much more modern. And so that will come out in December of 2025. And when we talked with Newell, he told us that this flows out of a heart of their mission, which is to reach everyone everywhere, no matter what language they speak or where they live. And it's important to note the original Jesus project, which Jesus film project, which they're going to continue to use in evangelism. It was put out there in 1979. It's still being used. It's been translated in 2100 languages and has the Guinness Book of World Records for being the most translated film in history. And so we can expect that this animated feature is very similarly going to make um, a pretty major impact. Why do you think this animation project, what do you think the importance of it all is? Well, you know, I think one of the things that um, Newell was saying was that, look, you know, we we want to create something that meets people where they are now and animation. And we're not talking just like a hokey cartoon. We're talking yeah. about beautiful animation that this is where the future is that when you do something like this, you're able to um, really sort of move into a whole new generation of young people. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a great way to spread the gospel and to adapt to the times. It's obviously a very expensive and big project as well. So, you know, again, they're working with, with very big filmmakers, people who know the craft very well so that they can create something that stands the test of time. I think one of the interesting things about the Jesus film, and, and by the way, this is a ministry of crew formerly, Campus Crusade for Christ is that it's been around for so long. I mean, how many movies can you think of that have been used evangelistically for 40 plus years, right? And so whatever they're creating, I think is going to have a very long tail on it. Um, So so it's an exciting project, I think, for them. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that do projects like this, they like to track how it's working and where God is moving and using it. Have they any indication of the original Jesus film and how many people that's impacted. Yeah, I almost fell off my chair when I asked him <laughs> the question because the numbers, they believe, they have an estimate that 10 billion people over the past four decades wow. 
have have watched this film, have been impacted by this film, and 633 million, so let that figure sit in, 633 million people have indicated decisions to follow Jesus. And I want to I wanna emphasize the way that this works. The film goes into a community where maybe they've never heard of Jesus before. It's translated into their language. So these are people groups that, again, haven't really been exposed to the gospel, and they're for the first time in their own language watching this movie. That's why they translate it into so many different languages. And so the fact that over 633 million people have followed Jesus as a result of this over 40 plus years, I don't know that there's another project that could boast those, and they're not boasting, but that could say that they've had that kind of, you know, result. Right. And it'd be a feasible explanation given how many people have watched it. So yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible, pretty remarkable. And I'm sure they're, um, planning to measure any potential future success on this what are they how are they looking to do that this time around yeah i mean this is going to be in their mind pretty easy because they want to reach everyone on earth who doesn't currently know or who hasn't heard about jesus and he said there are billions of people who still need to hear this message and or who need to hear it again um if they've been if they've been introduced to it and so that's what they're looking at like the success to them is reaching people with the gospel i I think i'm sure nobody set out saying we're going to have 633 million, you know, responses for Christ when they first started doing this. They just wanted to reach individuals and cultures and around the world. And they've done that. So it's going to be very much similar to what they've done. They just now have another product that they can do it with. And one thing he did say that I thought was really interesting is that animation allows them to meet the future technological results in, in needs in totally different ways. They can get into, you know, VR, virtual reality, and all these other things using this tool. Um, whatever they choose to do, whatever comes out, they're going to be able to adapt to that. And that's an important thing as time goes on. The technology in 1979 versus today, very, very different. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think this is the cool thing about how God allows us to take part in his calling uh, his people and his believers to himself is that we get to take part in that by sharing the gospel. And that's going to have different shapes and sizes and forms for different people. It might reach millions of people. It might reach 10. It might reach one or two. But God's using us all differently. And I think the important thing is for us to follow what God's inspired us to do, these works that he's laid out for us, these good works that we can walk in that he's prepared ahead of time for us. And we just do those and then watch God do the rest. And that's the cool thing. So I think it's just so cool to watch God operate in all of our, in all of our lives. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's awesome to see the, the Lord gives all of us different talents and different skills yeah. and, uh, and wants us to give those talents and skills back to him as an offering. Uh, and it's great to see crew and I've, you know, full disclosure, I have family who work for crew, but it's awesome to see the way that crew has utilized different people's skills and talents, uh, to, to then hand it back to the Lord as a witnessing tool, as a way to lead others to Christ and to see them kind of doubling down on this film that has been such a huge success in leading so many people to Christ has impacted so many lives uh, and, and breathing new life into that, I think is, uh, is incredible. So it's cool to see, uh, cool to see that all of these people, you know, people who were part of the original film and people who are part of this new iteration, just walking in obedience, right. And using their talents and saying, look, I'm going to bring what I have uh, to, to the table and all of these different people bringing all their different pieces. Uh, and it's, it's working to fulfill the great commission, which is what we're called to do as believers. Amen to that. All right, Billy, thanks for bringing that one to our attention today. Really appreciate it. Good stuff there. 
always fun. And for us anyway, at CBN to report on how God's moving in different people's lives and using these projects to uh, draw people to himself. So appreciate you bringing that one to the podcast today. We're going to move on over to the main thing now. And the U.S. State Department has again decided not to add Nigeria to its countries of particular concern list. Well, Billy spoke with Jeff King, who's president of International Christian Concern, to hear his response to the Biden administration and to learn more about the Christian genocide that's unfolding right now. That's today's main thing. So Jeff, the U.S. has again decided not to add Nigeria to the State Department's uh, countries of particular concern recommendations. Can you, just before we get into the finer details of this, what is this designation? What does it actually mean? Yeah, I, I think, Billy, probably the easiest way to say it is it's a list of the countries with the worst records on religious freedom around the world. And Nigeria, I mean, you can't turn around without a horrific report of persecution at this point coming out of Nigeria. In fact, over Christmas, Christmas Eve, a very horrific attack that claimed well over 100 lives there and impacted many others. Take us through what it is like right now to be a Christian inside of Nigeria. Well, and and maybe we'll pull back and let's look at the 20-year view. So starting 20 years ago about... Uh, um, basically Christians started getting driven out of their villages at gunpoint, at machete point. Uh, armed attackers would come in. They're, they're from a tribe called the Fulanis. They'd come in. Uh, they would machete and shoot everybody, burn, burn the place to the ground. And that's happened over and over and over for the last 20 years to the point that there's three and a half million Christian farmers that have been pushed off their, off their land, maddening number. Uh, and no one knows the real number. I say up to 100,000 Christians murdered in that time. And then that whole time, you know, the, the Nigerian government says, gosh, this is a complicated problem. It's so hard to find these people. They're out in the bush. Nothing ever happens. So day to day, you're wondering uh, if you're a Christian in Nigeria and you're out in the bush, you're wondering if your village is next and whether you're going to live through the night. I mean, and this is especially horrific for a lot of reasons, but you look at the situation here, it's not as though there are no Christians in Nigeria, right? You just mentioned over 3 million when it comes to land and 100,000. This is a country where around half of the country essentially is Christian. And so some might say, well, wait a minute, how in the world can you have a situation where there are that many believers and yet you're still having this level of persecution? Yeah, a very complex question, or the answer is very complex. And and Nigeria, let's say, you know, the top half of the country is Muslim, the bottom half is Christian. And the battleground has all been the the middle ground, Billy, as you know. It, what started in the north, they, drew, they drove the Christians out of the north, and that was like Boko Haram, and they pushed them down. And now they're taking the Christians out of the middle belt. Uh, and so the, the main area of Christians in Nigeria, the, the south, has not been affected to a great degree. It's starting to go down in the south, but it's mostly been the middle. So as Christians get more and more attacked in the south, we'll probably see more of an uprising. Uh, but at the same time, we, we, it, it's a powder keg. When you've got three and a half million people and, and think how many men, unemployed men, that were driven unjustly off their land. So this is a powder keg 
uh, waiting to happen. So just because nothing has happened, it doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. But the broad thing is, again, Muslim North, Christian South, the Christian South has still not been largely affected. And and you have a situation here coming coming back to America, right, where you have the countries of particular concern, you have this list, you have the most powerful country in the world being able, I would imagine, to put some form of pressure on the Nigerian government. Because the, the other question here that people will have is, well, why aren't government officials, why aren't authorities, police doing anything to stop this? And why is this continuing to happen? What, what is your message right now? If you had the Biden administration in front of you, the State Department, um, what would you say to them? I would say 100,000 deaths, three and a half million Christian farmers driven off their lands. This is a slow motion uh, genocide. It's a slow mo- motion jihad. What does it take for the United States to use uh, what they're best at? Just use the, and the administration, use the bully pulpit to speak up and to stand for those who are oppressed, to stand for the defenseless. That's all we have to do. And, and call a spade a spade and, to, and talk about what's going on in Nigeria and the failure of successive Nigerian governments to deal with this. And, and the hidden story in all this, Billy, I'm kind of I'm going off the talking point or, or what you asked, but it's really because Muslims are in control of the army, uh, the intel agencies and the police. And that's why nothing ever happens. It's an inside job. Yeah, no, I'm glad you went off off the script there because that is part of what I was saying. You know, you have two issues here. You have their government not doing anything, and now you have the U.S. government, the most powerful government in the world, not at least not publicly taking action by putting Nigeria on this list. And so the question that emerges, what's going on behind the scenes? Is there any pressure actually happening that we know of? And a lot of this is speculative, but I do need to mention – the Trump administration did place Nigeria on yeah. this list and gave it this designation um, for one year, and I believe, and then it was it was taken off by the Biden administration. What do you make of the reasons that you think are driving the U.S. position on this at this point? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, on the one hand, Billy, you've got the long term problem of of what the State Department does. The State Department gets along, right? Uh, and so, you know, to the point that Congress created legislation, they created a gadfly to push the State Department on this type of issue. And that's what that was the creation of USERF, if people know what that is. But they, they, the Congress said, look, the State Department is ineffective on this issue and we need to be we need to have a watchdog and a gadfly to push them. So, look, they exist to get along. Uh, another another level of answer is oil. Nigeria has a lot of oil, so uh, they get a different consideration than a lot of countries. But apart from all that, like I said, this is a powder keg. It is a disaster waiting to happen. If it ever goes to civil war, which sooner or later it will, you can only kill so many people and steal their land without them rising up. And if it ever goes to civil war, you have a, a refugee problem that dwarfs everything else we've seen. Uh, you know, Nigeria is the largest, most populous country in Africa. So it it behooves the U.S. government to get involved and to deal with this problem before it gets worse. Yeah. And your organization, International Christian Concern, you're on the front lines of alerting people to what is going on, of helping when it comes to persecution. This is a problem. You know, persecution is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but the reality is it's getting worse around the world. And you have a nation here, Nigeria, where it seems like it's among the worst of any nation um, in the world. 
what can people be doing to come alongside your organization, whether it's prayer, whether it's helping in other ways to help alleviate this issue and bring attention to it? Yeah, and and so first I would just lift up what you just said. Look, this is this in North Korea. There are no places that are worse, and this is maybe even worse than North Korea. And that's why I'm always pointing to Nigeria because one people don't talk about it; it's hidden. Uh, but the massive number of deaths uh, and destruction of personal property—it's unbelievable. So, and it's beyond honestly my organization. I so appreciate the question, but it's really just people need to become involved. They first need to become aware. So whether that's whether that's be, uh, whether they go to persecution.org, my organization, or one of the others, one of the other big groups that deals in persecution, get involved. Just start understanding what's going on and hearing about the tax, and then you're sensitive. And then we call our legislative members and we, and we push them, uh, and even call the State Department. We write letters. It's it's the same old situation. We can't just stop at prayer. The Lord says for us to remember the oppressed, to stand up especially for the family of God, our brothers and sisters who are being decimated. So first become aware and then take action. Otherwise, our lives are too busy. Life is crazy. We forget about this and we don't see what's going on. So get informed. Well, I appreciate that. Get informed. That is a great place for us to close here. I appreciate you taking the time today and coming on. All right, Billy. Thanks for that conversation there. It really truly is remarkable and sad that Nigeria is not put on this list of concern and it's it's unfathomable really when you when you hear what's going on there and just the atrocities and just not even saying something right even if you don't do the list like like he said use the bully pulpit and spread the word out on what's going on so people will stand up so our prayers there and like like he said let's get involved as well all right that's going to leave us uh, with time on the podcast today for one last thing we're going to look at Matthew five sixteen. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right. Nothing really. Let that light shine. Yeah, let it, let shine. it shine. I don't think I need to add any to that. You, you're, you have your orders. Go forth now, children of God. And let your light shine. All right. <laughs> good spot to end it on the podcast today, as always. Make sure to get yourself on over to CBNnews.com and FaithWire.com. we got a lot of news going on over there. And uh, you will be caught up to speed uh, on everything. Just make it a daily visit. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow. God bless. See you then.